This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Andy. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Everybody, we are back in the studio again, and it's springtime finally. Hey, oh, the sun's out, man. I swear, I get this way every time with winter where I get to the very end of my sanity, where I'm like, please, please, and finally, like right before I feel like I'm about to give up, spring. And it's been taking its time warming up. Oh, dude, you know, we get a teaser, every time right? you think it, yeah, every time you think it's going to turn the corner, it just we're back down it's in like the 30s again. You see a blade of green grass poke up through the yard and then it shrivels back down. Like, nope, yeah. just kidding. Yeah, Jack Frost runs by and stomps on it real quick. <laughs> Pat's, like, no. Pat's just waiting for everything to green up so he can get out there and mow it down. That's right. Fire up the mower. <laughs> Pat loves to mow that lawn. You love mowing your lawn. Though. I do. Yeah, it's I a do. good time. And you're going to have a much bigger lawn, aren't you? No, it's actually smaller oh, at our no. new place. So oh, well, that's, well, then, it's probably a good thing because uh, it's getting hard. Yeah, getting well, old. Pat's getting old. We got to get him a smaller mower then, so it feels like a bigger yard. There right? you go, a little there tiny mower. Don't take don't take the joy out of Pat's life. One of those little plastic ones you push around. The little tiny bubbles come out. Buzzing. Of it. We, yeah, we bubbles. hire a person to actually <laughs> mow it, and he thinks he's mowing his lawn, but he's not. <laughs> Pat's not senile. He's just getting a little older. That's all. Uh, but yeah, we're back in the studio. We're recording some more episodes, and uh, we're just really excited to get this going again. Um, not that it's been a long time since we recorded last time, but it's just good to see your guys' face. And here in the in between all of our microphones is a one foot tall Bigfoot statue. So mm-hmm. we got that going for us too. The the unofficial or the official fourth paranormal dad, Bigfoot. Is this a new one? That's an old one. I've had him for a okay. while. He just he he's uh, relocated to a new spot there. I figured I he see. wanted to be the center of attention. Yeah, he migrates around. He's the, right there. Uh, he's got his own microphone. Yep, he's just he's mic'd up. Uh, oddly enough, on the Yeti microphone. So there you oh, go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the only microphone endorsed by Bigfoot. <laughs> well, as always, we start with recent sightings, and uh, I got a doozy for you, boys, coming up next. Yes. Here we go. So fresh, uh, fresh news out of Mexico, guys. Just last month, just a few weeks ago, actually, the president of Mexico posted a photo on his social media accounts, and it showed what appeared to be a mythological woodland spirit, kind of similar to an elf. Right. So uh, the the Mexico president's name is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. There you and go. There you go. Rolls Very off the tongue. Uh, but uh, he did not seem to be joking when he posted this photo. And it's of a creature allegedly uh, called an alux. It's spelled A-L-U-X-E. I've um, heard of these. Keep going. It's like a so wood this was, sprite. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a mischievous woodland spirit in uh, Mayan folklore, actually. And Lopez Obrador wrote uh, that the photo was, quote-unquote, taken um, by an engineer and it, it apparently took took place somewhere in the forest of down there in the Yucatan Peninsula. Okay, there's a uh, a new r- a tourism railroad being built, and one of these engineers on the job site snapped this photo in the dark. But it, it does it appears to show uh, almost like this creature up in the tree, kind of has a ring of halo, uh, like a halo of hair around its head, and you can see its eyes. Yeah, I should. Uh, I should. Yeah, you s- definitely see the glowing Pat, eyes. Pat has there. it up on his phone here. Let me see what we're looking at. Yeah. Oh my God! You see, like its knee coming out too. There. I mean, if you could almost imagine, if you if you know what uh, Tamron is, uh, kind of like that little. All right, the uh, little monkeys. Little little tiny kinda. monkey, and he has like a like a ring of hair around its head. It almost looks like that, but more like the size of a. It's like a spider monkey or uh, like a. Uh, you know, something of the, uh, or a gibbon. Do, do they have an idea of how large this thing is? Maybe compared. I mean, it looks. I mean, 
just, I mean, using the tree as a reference point, it looks like it might be about the size of like, uh, I don't know, like a five-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe, maybe three feet, yeah. three or four feet. But Obrador, president of Mexico, has uh, long expressed reverence for indigenous cultures and beliefs. And, uh, you know, the his tweet suggested that it's, you know, one of the engineers working on the project took the photo. And um, he actually posted it alongside another picture of a pre-colonial era statue uh, depicting an alux. Uh, but according to the traditional Mayan belief, aluxes are actually... Small, uh, mischievous creatures, and they inhabit forest and fields, and they're prone to playing tricks on people, like hiding things. You know, kind of like a, a you know a sprite or an elf or a gnome, a leprechaun. Or, mm-hmm. Leprechaun. Um, in fact, some people leave small offerings to to appease these woodland creatures. Um, but that's pretty significant. I mean, the president of a country, you know, being open minded enough about folklore to post something like this, I don't think you yeah. would see that in most countries. No, well, not like you know, not these, not like countries like ours, frankly. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of like the president of Iceland. Right. There was this thing with Icelandic elves. Same exact thing. They had uh, like this roadway, this highway going through this one portion of town, and they had like, like literally like village shaman and like you know priests like like druids show up and they're like we can't do this this is literally like an elf settlement here it's like a portal we can't be doing this and they diverted this road around this portal area they literally had along with construction people they had like wizards walking around with hard hats (laughs) and their staffs like yes you can put it here you know and they're like all right gandalf says put the road here and so so they did but i think it's very cool it is cool because well don't they even still have like elf crossing signs along the highway there yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 they're very practical like they're very like they're not being silly like they're like no this is a real thing this is a, a portal, a doorway to their world, and we're not going to disrespect it by putting a road through it or whatever have you. And they've, yeah, they've diverted whole construction projects for this kind of thing. <laughs> it reminds me of that when you have a, a railroad coming through an area that was probably undisturbed or, or not as disturbed, and then all of a sudden you have this spirit showing up being like, what up? And I, I believe uh, Josh Gates on one of the shows, Destination X or Destination Truth, or one of these monster hunting shows that he did on Travel Channel, or, or History Channel, uh, he, he went to Iceland and he covered this phenomenon, and it was, it was really cool. And Icelandic people, very, very nice people, one of the oh, happiest yeah. countries in the world, according to research. But I remember in one of the episodes when he was there studying the elves, which they did have a lot of weird electronic anomalies when they were out in the field looking for elves, and I believe they even heard some laughter in the they distance. They heard laughter. <laughs> At one point, one of the guys, one of their main skeptics, and not even like... Yeah, he's a skeptic. No, the entire show, the entire, like, several seasons, this person was very slow to believe anything. And then he's back there at base camp, and he goes, I hate to even say this, but I hear laughter. Like, <laughs> laughter. And they were in the wilderness of Iceland. Yeah. If you look at this, it's nuts. And, yeah, the the shamans they spoke with were like, you're going to see your electronics messed with. You're going to see, Pat knows what I'm talking about. You're going to see your, your batteries, fully charged batteries are going to get depleted. You're going to see a lot of weird stuff go on. And they had brand new cameras uh, malfunction. They had all this stuff go bad. And then at one point they heard like 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 high-pitched giggling upon the, the air of Iceland. It was just nuts. Uh, that that uh, Going back to the government thing, that, that just... Stories like this kind of encourage me that every now and then the humans will actually step back and say, you know, there's stuff out there that's probably greater than us Mm -hmm. and we need to protect it or at least honor it, uh, consider it before, you know, we put our will before theirs. Yeah. Um, That's, that's a cool story. It is a very cool story. So I like to hope maybe they, I don't know, consider the railroad project and maybe look around, maybe. Well, yeah, because is this Alux showing up to, I don't know, to give them a warning not to build this railroad in that particular area? Was it coincidental? I don't know, but it did get me thinking about the Icelandic elves, and then the Icelandic elves got me thinking about the gnomes that have been sighted in Central and South America, uh, Argentina in particular. But, you know, I think we're all familiar with, you know, uh, gnomes, and, you know, basically uh, they're thought to be purely mythological, but, you know, they... Maybe there's something to it because the the first uh, sighting of a gnome appeared in the 16th century, 
uh, with the works of alchemists called Paracelsus, and he uh, actually described them as earth elementals. And uh, other cultures have their own variations of, you know, gnome-like mythology, but gnome sightings are actually on the rise. Did you guys know this? And I don't know what it is about Argentina specifically. I had gnome idea. (laughs) (laughs) But But fairy or goblin-like creatures. Actually, in uh, 2011, there was a magazine that shared a story out of uh, Santiago del Estreo, uh, telling of a quote-unquote striking imp that would leap out of the dark place, out of the, the shadows, and pummel people. Oh, he would pummel God. people. <laughs> you get an imp pummeled. <laughs> <laughs> and it was described basically as like a dwarf who was wearing an enormous hat. And the situation got so bad that police even warned people not to go out at night alone. Uh, and then you have the, the dancing gnome of uh, Guemes, Argentina. So in 2008... I know this isn't exactly recent, but it's just kind of a hey, as far as we're concerned, it's a side <laughs> tangent from the uh, from the Alux. But in 2008, uh, reporters uh, reports surfaced that a town in Argentina was actually being terrorized by a gnome, or a duende as they call it, uh, and it was wearing the you know tall pointy hat, um, and it had gone on for quite a while in in the the town of Guemes. But it wasn't until somebody captured the the some footage. That their you know struggle gained international attention. So in the video, you can actually see a group of boys talking while one of them films with a cell phone. You guys have probably seen this one. And then they suddenly get quiet when they hear like a weird noise, as if somebody's throwing rocks or something. And they they turn to see what it was, and they find something that truly terrified them. It was like a dancing gnome. And the last thing in the video that you can hear are the horrified screams of these boys. And unfortunately. Uh, the video is kind of dark and blurry to discern any um, any color or or you know facial features or something. So it's kind of hard to to know exactly what they saw. But in a in a similar encounter, actually, there was a group um, a group of kids that were hanging out in the middle of a road, and they themselves were dancing. The kids were dancing, and when they when they they saw a gnome like shuffle across the road, and in this particular video. It kind of ends with, uh, again, with just the kids screaming and totally freaking out. And then finally, in another video, and you guys can look this up. Anybody listening, just do a quick YouTube search, Argentina gnome videos. Um, but in another video, there's a, a group of people that were kicking a ball around in their backyard, and one of them goes to pick it up, and he sees a tiny gnome jump out and scurry away. And this, I remember the first time I ever saw this one, it just gives me the chills because it's pretty obvious. And if this was a hoax, if it was faked, it was pretty well done because it yeah. doesn't look to be a puppet on a string. It looks, frankly, too small to be, you know, somebody's younger brother wearing a costume. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is about Argentina. They got, they got more gnomes than uh, Iceland has elves, apparently. I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, Argentina, correct me if I'm wrong, there is a, it's super forested, right? There's lots of... Yeah, Argentina's a, a, a weird country because, yeah, parts of it up near... I mean, they have, like, Iguazu Falls, you know, up there, and it's lush, it's forested, it's tropical. But other parts of Argentina might remind you of, like, uh, Wyoming or, or Montana. It's Go pretty ahead. barren. It's pretty wow. um, it's pretty dry, almost like desert-like. And uh, beef, it's beef country there. They're known for their cattle oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. their steak. But, yeah, there are parts that are forested, uh, to your point. So maybe that's where they're hanging out. This reminds me a little bit of that ferry that was seen in England. Uh, and, and I think we talked about this at one point, and, but there was a father-daughter that were like, they just bought this new house, or not new, but new to them, house, and they were exploring around the, the area, and there was a small little patch of woods that was not too far from their house, and they just kind of kept going, and they get into a clearing and flies right in front of the camera and stops and hovers, and it is legit. It is a little humanoid-looking thing. Yeah, almost like Tinkerbell. Almost, but kind of, you know, creaturey look. Yeah, and it just kind of looks at the camera and then zips off. And they have a still frame of this thing. And they're like, the, everything that I have read up to now, at least, was like, there's no evidence of this being... He filmed a real object. And there's people who's like, okay, was it a puppet? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's a pretty sophisticated puppet for just some <laughs> dude. It either looked to be... Because I've seen that footage, too. It either looked to be CGI or real. But it was it was... There is no mistaking that it was what it was, and that's what I'm saying. That it wasn't like a shaky camera; it wasn't some blurry shadow in the distance. It was either a complete hoax or the real deal, because it's yeah. that obvious on the footage. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just crazy. Interesting. Well, 
There you have it, people. If you're in Argentina, keep your head on a swivel. If you're down near the Yucatan Peninsula, apparently keep your eye out for Aluxes. So hopefully they're friendly in nature, right? Absolutely. And uh, coming up next, there's a 90% chance of getting it on. As a courtesy to our listeners, we'd like to inform you that the following segment will contain references to paranormal-themed romance novels. Listener discretion is advised. It's time for pop, culture, and the paranormal. So today, we are talking about a segment of the paranormal community that engages in reading paranormal romance books. Ooh. All right. Ooh la la. You know, it's like the Harlequin romances Yeah, for the Bigfoot community. Exactly. Listen, For the werewolf community. Everybody needs love. Vampires, paranormal. ghosts, you name it. There's probably a romance book out there for it. We had our minds kind of appropriately blown <laughs> when we went to the Bigfoot, the uh, Nebraska Bigfoot Conference. Out in Hastings. Out in yeah. Hastings. And we're checking things out. We're like, oh, look at this cool vendor. Oh, man, there's some, some cool cryptid action figures. And Pat like, goes to this one place and he's pointing <laughs> at it like, what? And it, there's an entire... Not even table, like tables full of romance novels yeah. that all feature a paranormal twist. Right. Yeah. It's Bigfoot hooking up with women. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can't say it any clearer no. than that. No, I think that that's as best as you could possibly put it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing some of those romance <laughs> novels that have this chiseled guy with a just, just absolutely Shredded. muscles <laughs> rippling, and he got the six right. pack of abs, he yeah. got the furry chest. They always have the great art on the oh, cover oh, yeah. of these books. Oh yeah, they're not playing around. He's like a swashbuckling pirate who just happened to lose his shirt. But I mean, like insert Bigfoot <laughs> instead of a human. It's like you were like tall men, six five, six six. How about twelve foot nine? And maybe he's got a, a six pack or something, yeah. or he's got flowing fur, flowing yeah, yeah, Sasquatch <laughs> hair being blown in the wind. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah, I mean, you're right. My mind was completely blown when I saw that. I'm like. I had no idea yes. that this was even going on. And now we're going to dive into this. And now we? we're going to look at this, this a little bit. <laughs> Me, not so much the Bigfoot stuff. Probably one of the most uh, popular um, focuses in this area are like the the Twilights, the vampires. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's there's uh, werewolves are another popular item. Ghosts. Oh, yeah. That whole like... You know, that whole, like, he's a normal guy by day, but at night he turns into a monster of you know, love. And a lot of these have, have they're, they're, they are books that are written, and then they develop TV shows yep. uh, around them. Uh, a lot of them come out in, like, they're, they're, there's a compilation or, or a group of mm -hmm. them. So, like, you'll get three books come out about one. There's a storyline that continues from book to oh, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, book. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Twilight, of course, is one of the big ones. Oh, yeah. That's a romance novel. I don't care who you are. But um, I'm just kind of looking through some of these. There, there's one. Uh, this is from, uh, I'm looking at an article on a website called popsugar.com. And it's 40 paranormal romance books that are spookily sexy. And if you go out and you search for paranormal romances, you'll find a lot of lists. There's like 10 best paranormal romance books. 50 best paranormal romance books. I mean, there's a lot of material out there to cover. So um, if you ever want to jump down the rabbit hole, that it's just Google paranormal romance, and uh, maybe your eyes will be open too. Ooh. So uh, here's one, uh, A Discovery of Witches oh. by uh, Deborah Harkin Harkness. So uh, there's... there's a witch-themed one. A, a witch-themed one. Ooh, here's one called Flesh. Oh, <laughs> you got those those sexy, sexy titles. This is by Kylie Scott. It's an apop apocalyptic romance. It follows three unlikely companions through the ruins of their former society as they fight zombies and fall in love along the way. See, oh. nothing gets the motor going like the end of the world. <laughs> listen, That's right. listen, just because we're all going to die doesn't mean I don't want to find true love along the way. <laughs> and they got to repopulate, you know. 
Oh, Somebody's got to do it. That becomes the whole tagline. <laughs> you said not if I was the last man on earth. Well, guess what? Now I am the last man on earth. By the way, we probably should have thrown in a par- parental warning before this segment even began. Oh, don't worry. We're a little late for that. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm editing this one. There will be. <laughs> uh, here's one called Dead Until Dark. Uh, this looks like another witch one. Um, it's the first of the Suki Stackhouse novels. Dead Until Dark inspired the ultra-successful True Blood TV True show. True Blood, Blood, yes. Yeah. Uh, the series is widely loved, and for good reason. You won't be able to put it down. And I'll tell you what, did you guys ever watch that True Blood show? I watched maybe like half of the first season, and then, yeah, I got kind of... I want to say I did see at least a couple of those episodes. Yeah, I, I powered through all the way to the end. Was it if, good? Did you? It, it was very good, in my opinion. Yeah, v- very steamy. There's uh, There's a lot of skin showing, you might say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's pretty graphic too in parts, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird, uh, dichotomy to, you know, have, you know, steamy scenes in a show. And then, then the very next part, you know, there's a vampire who's, you know, taking a stake to the bloody heart, you know, yeah. <laughs> but they pulled it off and it was really good. Great acting, great writing. There you go. Plot twists. Here's one, uh, better homes and hauntings by Molly Harper and a pun. Uh, the main character agrees to landscape a dismal and deteriorated estate. Ooh. She gets more than she bargained for, a mega, shot, mega hot employer and a property full of supernatural horrors in this paranormal romance book. So, Mega hot. Mega hot. Not just hot. Mega hot. I mean, that's <laughs> something you come across, especially like in the ghost. Um, maybe not so much the, the TV shows that are on Discovery Channel about the ghosts, uh, you know, investigation type shows, but a lot of movies, you, you'll see people interacting with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I think we talked about tickling, tickling toes oh, yeah. in the bedroom and yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. so <laughs> twiddled. That should that should be a book title. Twi- <laughs> twiddling toes, twiddling, twiddling my toes. toes. Yeah. A ghost love story. Uh, here's one wanted wild thing, a paranormal romance book by Jessica Sims. It's the final novel in a series that follows paranormals looking for love through a dating service called Midnight Liaisons. Oh. And again, this one I got, again, I got a banshee is... trying, to, trying to date a chupacabra. <laughs> I got a werewolf trying to send a love note to a Loch Ness Monster. It's chaos here. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> how about Holly Black's The Coldest Girl in Cold Town? Incorporates a sizzling romance, graphic violence, and a strong heroine who must save her ex-boyfriend, herself, and a mysterious boy from a walled city where vampires are quarantined. It's a horrible tale. It's a horror tale that answers the question, what would be the real-world implications if vampires were discovered today? The coldest girl. Where does she live? Cold town. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, On the other hand, there's one called Warm Bodies. The warmest girl in Warmtown. It inspired the 2013 movie of the same name, Warm Bodies. Um, follows an undead teenager and his, unex- and his unexpected crush, a human girl deeply involved in anti-zombie resistance. Oh. So, anti-zombie resistance anti-zombie. task force. Because there's a lot of that going on. You he's know? a zombie. He meets her and he's like... Within two minutes, he's like, he's smitten. And she's like, just one thing I can't stand. He's like, what's that? Hypocrites? She's like, zombies. I hate them so much. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I can't tell her I'm a zombie. <laughs> she's like, good thing you're not a zombie because you're mega hot. <laughs> I just like the title of this one. Undead and Unwed. Oh. <laughs> the main character of this paranormal book wakes up with a serious Thirst for blood. Oh. <laughs> you ain't tying this monster down with marriage. I'd be like, <laughs> unwed. A guy, a guy who drinks too much tea before bed and becomes a zombie. Undead and wet the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't quit drinking tea before bed. So here's one that was uh, pretty well known. It was actually came out back in the, uh, I think it was actually written Originally in the 60s, this woman wrote it as kind of a short novel, and then she rewrote it after uh, one of her children died in, in the late 70s, Interview with the Vampire oh, by yeah. Anne Rice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also became a movie uh, starring Tom Cruise and... Uh, uh, Brad, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt was Pitt. in there, yeah. And yeah. Kirsten Dunst. 
Oh, there you, you go. go. Kirsten Dunst. So that one actually was written back in the 70s. Hmm. So um, Yeah, the titles are just the best part, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the hardest parts about being a romance writer would be just coming up with 50 uh, alternative uh, terms for the male appendage. Right. You know? how, how to describe the actions going on. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Cre- you have to be really good with your adjectives, I think, and your adverbs. <laughs> Bad girls don't die. <laughs> Creepy dolls, cute boys, and possessed sisters. The scarily good paranormal romance book has it all. So, um, you know, romance books are never going to go out of style, though. I mean, they're they're here to stay in, in one variation or another. I actually have a client who makes a full-time living uh, writing romance novels. So, Is that right? Yeah. I thought about cracking my way into that genre because, you know, I have a few books out already. and But fiction is a whole different animal than nonfiction. Right. It's, it's, quite frankly, a lot harder. You got, you know, you got to keep your character, character development, plot twist. You got to keep it all straight. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. But I, I, because this is a family show, I will not say these <laughs> names at all. I won't. However, and we did put a little warning in front of this for all you parents out there. So if anybody wants a good laugh, <laughs> some, there is a, a romance novel author who is unparalleled in his or her, because this could be a pen name, uh, production and output. Of romance novels, and this is by the name. Maybe you guys have heard of this person, uh, Chuck Tingle, and Chuck Tingle is like known throughout this whole circle as a very profitable romance author. Mm-hmm. But this person writes just nonstop, and there's no part of the the charm of these books is that they're kind of poorly written, right? And and the titles are insane and like i said i really can't say any i can't i can't i'm reading the names can't now read a single one. there's not even one i have to bleep it out and it would be all bleeps it would all be bleeps i can't I this person just writes like nonstop and coming out with like a book a month or a book a week before the chuck tingle uh what was on the scene before ai was a thing so if you were to read these books now, you would swear an AI wrote them because they're kind uh-huh. of quasi poorly written. Like right. the syntax is a little off. Yeah. But and then they interviewed this person. Maybe not the best editing in the world. No, yeah. hardly. He, uh, he, uh, he or she is like I barely edit at all. Yeah. I just kind of write, and then my whole goal is to crank out a novel like a day. And so they're just <laughs> cranking them wow. out. And I just write, and I just, and the writing is not great. And people who like these books, it's kind of like you know the, the people who watch B movies and C movies. They're like, we know it's bad. That's why, that, that's why we like it. So. It's a shotgun approach, you know, it, just throw enough out there, see what sticks. If you look, I think that person has like two hundred books written, and they're just cranking them out. But anyway, uh, if you ever want a good hard laugh, uh, check that out because it's kind of funny. <laughs> How about Nightshade? Ooh, a tale of family, fate, and falling in love. Uh, it follows a female werewolf through spoke, spooky situations and her struggle for true love. God, if I had a nickel for every time I fell in love with a werewolf. I, well, Andy, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who's the hairiest out of out of us three? Uh, Pat by far. Oh, yeah. I think, Pat, Pat, I, think I got that. Right. Pat doesn't have a beard, which is like misleading. Because you're like, well, he doesn't have a beard. He doesn't need a beard. That guy pulls his shirt off. He's got like... I could just like, if I didn't shave... Give me three days. I got a full beard. <laughs> Andy, Andy's not bad. By far, hairier than me, certainly. Yeah. Dang. Dang, bro. No, that's perfect. You just got a little little above the chest. Nothing. If, if you look, it's in the shape of like a bat, like a Batman symbol. <laughs> Your chest hair is it shaped really like is. a bat. It is. It's like a, it's like a bat. That's nice. <laughs> we got the window open, so if anyone in uh, outside is looking in, they're probably wondering <laughs> they're like, why we're showing our chest to each this other. This is the first time on Paranormal Dads we've compared chest hairs. But I, t- I guarantee you, if Pat took off his shirt, you wouldn't even know. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that about the book titles. I, I just Googled Bigfoot Chuck- romance novels. And you're right. You can't see any of these titles. No, <laughs> you, just can't. you just can't. It'd be all beeps. Yeah. It'd just be beep. Oh, boy. Like, all right. It, well, there's that one. Look it that covers one the gamut, though. Yeah. You know, the thing about this is that they are fun. You know, it's like I read, I think I read one romance novel. I think it was years ago. I was just curious, you know. Uh-huh. And it, like they're very, they very much are like, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is sultry. <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, every, there's different strokes, different folks. You know, yeah, I, I started one, got halfway through it. It was a Colleen Hoover book. She's like the she's like the top dog right now in the romance genre. But uh, but maybe a year ago, I was thinking about cracking my way into the romance uh, category, and 
thought I needed some inspiration, so I started reading one of her books. It was really good. She's a fantastic yeah. writer, but I just got sidetracked into other projects. I never finished the book. But what, So what? if you guys could write a paranormal book, who would your... Who would your monster be? Who would you focus on? I think I might take an alien approach. Alien? There are yeah. quite a few alien books out there. Because you well. know somebody's getting probed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If that's the case. I would definitely go for the, and this is not a surprise, but if you think about it, it's even more of an obvious. I would go Fresno Nightcrawler. <laughs> I would. Uh, that's what I was thinking. I would Eddie like, go Fresno it's Nightcrawler. It's in the name, right out of the gate. <laughs> You know, you know, and then also it's like it's very kind of it's like on the fringe. So it kind of pulls some people in like, oh, this isn't a Bigfoot novel. What is this? The Fresno Nightcrawler loves at night or whatever, you know, Fresno Nightcrawler crawls into your bed (laughs) after dark with the Fresno Nightcrawler. How about you, Pat? Who would your paranormal if it wasn't Fresno Nightcrawler? Who would it be? Oh, you know, Mothman could he could be kind of sexy. Oh yeah, He'd just wrap his big old wings around you and pull you in for a he smooch. He could be like you, you know, off into the... Superman or Batman take you up flying in the mm. nighttime. Mothman, show know, me the love. Show you the moon out out and you know fl- fly up on top of the Can Chrysler you Building. Feel the moth tonight. <laughs> just get lost in his hypnotic red eyes. <laughs> just fall. You're like love, <laughs> love at first sight. <laughs> just being cooked by infrared by his red eyes. Then you could write a whole book on an interspecies love connection where the Kraken and Nessie <laughs> swim off into a sunset together holding and make little hand in hand. Yeah, holding tentacles. <laughs> holding in tentacles. In tentacle. Make little sea babies. I picture the next day after uh, after spending the night with Mothman, she had, looks like she got like a sunburn, except for like around her <laughs> eyes, like she had like the sunproof. Like. <laughs> Like just reds. <laughs> Where were you on a magical evening of enchantment? <laughs> you look like you have a third degree burn. <laughs> I think I have skin cancer, but it was worth it. <laughs> kind of like when the, uh, I think it was, was it the movie Stripes where, where they put like black makeup around the, the sergeant's binoculars yeah, and, he and he pulls them, them away from his eyes. <laughs> or maybe circles. it was in MASH or something yeah. I saw that. He has like the dark circles He's around his eyes. He's got the dark eyes. circles around his eyes. <laughs> That's a great bit. <laughs> well, boys, I think we are just barely mature enough to pull off this segment. Just barely. Uh, just barely. Done. <laughs> Try not to offend anybody, but uh, uh, hey, it's fun. Go check it out if, if you're so inclined to. Uh, there's some fun stuff out there. Well, thank you, Pat. And now coming up, I'm up on the main mystery. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> I'm on oh, main. Eddie's got the field journal. Old field journal Fossler. So before we get in, we get engaged into what I think is probably one of the most compelling mysteries that we have in the 20, 20th and 21st century. Honestly, for real. Nice. When I die, when that day comes... If either of you are alive still, although looking at the table, I'll probably be the first one to go. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm going to get taken home, Pat. That's what's going to happen. The alien's going to come down. Dude, I predicted my own death in 2025. Remember you did? that? Yeah. You predicted your own death? Yeah. On oh. the show that, that time. Oh, yeah. And you're like, ooh, that's soon. <laughs> and that's I'm so, like, oh. so soon. No. It just slipped out. 2025. Oh, yeah. You're like, I think. I- so I figured my time's ticking. Oh, God. Pleistradamus over here. Pleistradamus. Pleist- I like that one. Um, you want to be buried with your field journal? When I know, uh, free reign. You and, and anyone anyone listening, no, my, my comrades at this table can l- grab any of my journals and read them like books. Just read okay. them away. Read away. <laughs> read my thoughts, my fears, my hopes, my paranormal dreams. Eddie's journal. <laughs> and it is like a, a... Deep thoughts. It's a romance novel. By Eddie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Love Affair by Eddie Foster. Uh, but this to me is one of the most compelling mysteries we have. And not only is it like... Like, potentially, like, well, I don't know. There is documented governmental evidence of this being a real thing, a real phenomenon. There's video. There's audio recordings. There is so much evidence about this particular mystery. Ooh, I'm excited to hear. That it is almost irrefutable, even amongst... um, um, Help me out here. Uh, Skeptics. Skeptics. Thank you, sir. What is it? I'm salivating over here. I'm burying the lead, aren't I? You are. (laughs) This is... The phenomenon known as the Betts Mystery Sphere. 
Why have I not heard of this? Oh, I don't think Pat's <laughs> heard of this. No, I haven't. You're going to love this. Okay. Here we, here we go. It's May 1974, just outside of Jacksonville, Florida, and Terry Betts realizes his property is on fire. It's on fire. Not his house, but they happen to own some island property not too far from their actual home. And so, like a, like a swampy, forested kind of uh, island area. Kind of like the Everglades or something like kinda that. Kind of like that. And it's on fire. So after the fire, they go and investigate, just kind of combing through the forests, looking for any sort of maybe evidence or what not evidence, but just stuff from the fire, cleaning it up as well. And they find in the ash, ashes and rubble of trees a eight-inch diameter metallic sphere, orb, if you will, eight inches. Okay. Um, smaller than, say, like a, a soccer ball, but bigger than a softball kind right. of thing. So in between those two sizes. And the, um, the guy who found it, Terry Betts, thought, what a cool-looking thing. They thought, the family thought it might have been like a cannonball or something from like, you know, back in the day with Florida, there was like Spanish uh, people there and all that. They thought maybe it was some sort of, you know, ordinance from an old thing. So they picked it up and brought it home. <laughs> and their lives uh, were never the same again. Famous last words. And so they bring it home. And so literally thought, what a cool looking thing. And he put it on a windowsill in their house. It just sat there as a cool decoration for two weeks. And one night, a friend came over to the Betz's family and hung out, had dinner, visited, and whipped out his guitar because that's what you did in the 1970s. You just played guitar with your sure. friends. Yeah. Pat does that now. All the time. And so he's playing guitar, and the entire family noticed that the sphere began humming along. <laughs> Say what? With the guitar music. Interesting. Humming along. Okay. Humming along. And not only was it humming, it was also vibrating. They could feel it. Whoa, 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 you know. And so they're, they they're thought how weird this thing was. So they take it down from the shelf, and the thing begins rolling around on its own power. Just rolling around. And just they, like a little old BB-8 from Star Wars. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yes. Just rolling mm -hmm. about. Rolling around. What they noticed was it would roll around and follow certain people in the house. And once again, now we're going to quick pause this and say skeptics. Well, the house is unlevel. It's an old house. Mm. And it's like, you look at video of this thing. It's doing U-turns. It's following the person. It's returning back to its point of origin. It's like, yeah, the house is so crooked that it goes back to where it came from. And they, they had, had a video cannibal. out of on There's this. video. This is 1970s. This isn't like, you know, 1800s, you know. So, And they, unlike seeing a UFO flying around, they're in their home. It's a controlled environment. This thing is sitting on a freaking shelf. And so this is, once again, where I love, we'll, we'll pause for the skeptic moment. We're like, well, it didn't do it all the time. You know, you really make me sick. You make me <laughs> I love sick. when Eddie has arguments <laughs> with imaginary skeptics in the room. <laughs> yeah. We have pets that do pet tricks, and sometimes a pet won't do the trick. You yeah. know? In fact, the fact that it's kind of petulant proves that there might be a little bit of weird intelligence into this thing. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm not your toy. I'll do it when I'm ready. You know? And they, so They had a pet cannonball, basically. They had a pet cannonball. This thing would follow people around, and they would put it up on a table, and it would roll around the table and stop at the edge and never roll off. Like I had conscious awareness of its yeah. It had awareness of its surroundings. Uh, they also noticed that they would go to bed at night, and they would hear music in the house. Just music playing. They're like, what's happening? They didn't have a radio on. Nothing. So after a while, they were having friends come over and basically almost like having it perform for people. Like, literally, like, hey, man, I got this cool thing I found in the forest. It goes over and see the ball. See my alien ball, man. It's nuts. <laughs> and this thing, word got out. Word got out. Uh-oh. That they had some weird thing, and it was going all over the place. And so what happened, actually, was that the Betts family, um, they did, and this is where people get very quick to try to, to try to discredit people. They thought, you know, we have this weird thing. We found it. It's weird. And what better way? Once again, this is 1974. This is not, there's no internet. You know, they decided to enroll in this National Enquirer contest, basically, to basically like prove like this thing is weird and we can't prove what it is. And I think they won. There was a contest. I think it was a thousand dollars, and and they won with this weird thing. And that, for a lot of people, discredits them. And I'm like, why would it discredit anybody? They they were trying to kind of put it out there. And once it made it to the Enquirer, the U.S. Navy came a calling. Really? Oh boy. 
And they said, uh, U.S. Navy, and this is once again documented, documented, documented. You can look this up online. The I gotta love all y'all skeptics out there going off and ruining people's fun. Um, uh, the Wikipedia article is so heavily edited that you there's not even a mention of the United States government study of this thing. They don't even mention that. They're like, yeah, this family found a weird orb and it rolled around and people don't believe them. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the U.S. government, the U.S. Navy shows up to their house, basically, or contacts them and says, we want to basically take the sphere. And they were like, no. <laughs> it's ours. That's when they cocked their gun, right? <laughs> no. And so what they did was they said, um, we believe that it might be uh, explosive. We may it may be it may be a bomb. We we don't know. I know this is where they get. And so the family, not knowing what it was, were like, okay, so maybe we should have an idea of what we're dealing with here. Maybe it does have radioactive stuff in it. Maybe we're exposing ourselves to some danger. So the mom of the family, Mrs. Betts, had the wherewithal, the intelligence, to draft up a contract, and had the representative of the U.S. Navy. Who, who contacted them and had them several people sign the contract and said if they were to find that this thing was not of a United States origin, it wasn't property of the government, that it would be returned back to the family. The U.S. Navy signed the contract, came and took the orb, and performed several tests on it. And this is where things get weird. The thing was able to withstand almost just under 200,000 pounds of pressure it was made of a highly, highly refined uh, form of steel, stainless steel, and other alloys in, in, into it. And um, it was not radioactive. They could not um, get it to... It would still roll around, but it would do it almost kind of randomly. It wasn't like behaving in a way that it was with the family. And they were like, another case is it's kind of demonstrating a little bit of petulance. It's like, it's not going to do what you want it to do unless it's kind of in an environment that it wants to do it. Um, it would roll around and it wouldn't roll off tables, but it wouldn't follow anybody necessarily. This is kind of making me sad. It, it's kind of an ET sort of thing. It's almost you know? an ET sort ET of thing. ET was happy to be with, with his family. His, his family. family. Yeah. And then the government comes in and he dies. Uh -huh. basically. <laughs> they basically kill ET. Yeah. But they're, they're putting pressure on it mm -hmm. and, you know, doing all these experiments on it oh, yeah. and making it feel horrible. Mm -hmm. And it won't do what it was famous for doing. Right, right. And so then they x-rayed it and they said that the x-rays were quote unquote inconclusive, whatever. So two weeks later, they basically were like, it's not ours. We don't know whose it is. So we have to buy this contract. We have to give it back. And so they brought it back. That yeah. shocks me. <laughs> so this is where it gets, the story takes on a whole dark turn here. So they bring it back to the family. And the person who brings it back actually goes, so here's the story. We did x-ray it. And they were, they were inconclusive. But inconclusive meaning we don't know what's inside of it. But we were able to see inside of it. And so they were like, okay, well, what's inside of it? Inside of this sphere... It was an empty space, thick layers of metal, and then in the middle, about the size, an empty space about the size of a small apple, just void, just a hole, just just a, and in that hole is three other smaller spheres that seem to be connected with wires. That's it. So how could it withstand two hundred thousand pounds of pressure? No clue. That's nuts, man. And so this thing, they don't know how it's able to roll around on its own. They don't know how it's able to vibrate. They don't know how it's able to... It seems to be a, <laughs> a broadcast and receiver of radio signals. And they just don't know what it is. They bring it back to the family. The family reports that after a couple of weeks of it being kind of dormant again, it comes back to life. It's rolling around. It's following people again. It's listening to music. It's having a good old time. And then the family... They were invited on this tour with like different colleges and different like places to come. And one of them was a National Enquirer thing again. And so they were like, we're going to go ahead and do this and kind of put this thing out there and just kind of see what exposure we can get, what happens with this thing. And they took it out on tour, if you will, this family. <laughs> and Sphere on tour. While it was on tour, it got stolen. Oh, no. Yes. The bet spear got stolen. But it's virtually indestructible, so it's it could still be out there right. somewhere. To this day, nobody knows where the bet spear oh, is. And man. the family, the family to their credit, has done nothing with this. They have not uh, made written a book. They've not made a movie. They've not done anything about this 
object. They have v- remained very quiet and to this day are very reluctant to talk about it. But there is video of this thing. There's audio. There's governmental proof. There's x-rays. There's all this stuff. And there are people to this day, and this is why you cute little skeptics, I love you so much. <laughs> this thing defies logic on every sense. And there's people, like I said, witnesses who've been like, this is not a scam. This is 1973. Radio-controlled stuff was not what it was. There's no wheels on this thing. It's moving itself around. So all logic goes out the window, and there's people who still just shrug and go, I don't know. It was weird. Weird. Anyway, taxes are due. Any any word on how heavy this thing was? So it weighed just under eight pounds. Oh, that's all. Okay. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was just under eight inches. It was seven point eight something uh, di- inches in diameter. Okay. And it just weighed just just over twenty one pounds. Okay. Pretty yeah. heavy. Yeah, I was gonna a, say if it's made of you know uh, solid titanium solid, alloys or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So yeah, just under or just over twenty one pounds and just under eight inches in diameter around. So putting on my conspiracy hat, do you think it was? Just a thief that did it, or was it the government? Did they come back for I, it? I think, I think with you, I think when you, and I'm kind of giving you guys a more or less a good a good coverage of this thing. There's a couple more specifics. They had like a handler who was following them around and helping out. And I wonder if somebody in their circle eventually got gotten to by the government, maybe not threatened or whatever, but certainly paid off. Uh, listen, we're going to pay you a million dollars if you take this. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, it's like. If somebody wants something bad enough and is willing to pay someone enough money, then they're gonna you're gonna find it missing, yeah. you know. And I hate to sound negative like that, but I mean, any of us, you know, if anyone wanted to st- buy this podcast from us, eventually you could be like, well, where where where'd paranormal dads go? I don't know. <laughs> you know like, I'll pay you a billion dollars to quit podcasting. <laughs> never, you'll never silence us. Eddie's sitting on an island in Tahiti. Ah. It's like, Sucking uh, it's down like a Wayne's drink. World. Selling out is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the government, I think that they had someone planted, someone somewhere, just zipped away with that thing. I wonder if they had a pet name for it. I wonder. Orby? Orby. <laughs> Orby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spiro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'd call him Gyro. Sven the Gyro. Spear. <laughs> Gyro. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. I mean, alien technology, what else could that be? Yeah. I mean, if the government, I suppose it could have been a different branch of the government that designed it. And then, would you say the Navy? The U.S. Navy, for whatever reason, was the, was the branch that got a hold of them. But like I said, there is documentation now. So all of you people who are like, it's like, you've got documents, dude. All you crazy people who love to see things written down and documented, there you go. So I wonder if it was the cause of the fire when, when they first found get, it. Yeah, your brain goes crazy. Did like, it start the fire or was it found because of the fire? Yeah. Irony playing uh, the, the 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 irony is that that sphere would play. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. So that's weird. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah, like I I wonder like is this an alien uh, you an extraterrestrial probe? Is it a toy? You know, is it a piece of equipment that has base robotics or AI built into it and it can roll around and analyze things? I, you know, there's so many. So many questions there, but it's kind of like the UFO phenomenon now that we see, right? It's like it's clearly not built by us. There's no branding on it. There's no serial numbers. There's no mm-hmm. markings on it whatsoever. It's a complete solid it metal sphere. Defies our laws of physics. Defies physics in every level. It behaves intelligently, you know, and it behaves intelligently almost on its whim. Like it just does it when it wants to kind of thing. And so it... it, it challenges us on so many levels that so many people are quickly are quick to just shrug it shrug it off and look at this we've been doing this podcast this long and you guys haven't even heard of this thing yeah no but i agree it's it's one of the <laughs> it's got to be one of the biggest mysteries we've ever talked about i mean what the heck is it you know i suppose if uh you know aliens are visiting here which they are uh they could be a thousand a million uh, 500 million years more advanced than we are. Uh-huh. And if that's the case, I mean, maybe on one of these stops, one of the alien kiddos got out of the spaceship, <laughs> dropped yeah. the equivalent of his Rubik's Cube, which uh-huh. is what this thing is, and we find it, and it's like magic, you know? Right. Yeah. How does this thing work? Like, what if its job was to play music and be entertaining? You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know what we don't know, but it's it's clearly some from somewhere. Someone built it. We don't know what we don't know. Quote of the day. There it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, 
with all that, thank you for listening to this new episode of Paranormal Dads. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. On Twitter, YouTube. Oh, yeah, the YouTubes. Uh, be sure to uh, follow, like, and share. And, yeah, share us with your friends. Also, uh, we do have a brand-new batch of stickers order that I order featuring some new art and new Paranormal Dads fun stuff. So if you'd like some stickers or some swag from us, whether it be a hat or T-shirt or hoodie, just email us, message us through one of those apps, and let us know. Also, check out Andy's show, So Strange, which you can find on most, if not all, podcast platforms. So Strange with Andy Myers. And you can also find Dimensions with uh, Eddie Fossler. And uh, that's spelled D-I-M-E-N-S-I-O-N-S. So check that out with Eddie and Friends. Eddie and Friends. So uh, Eddie and his art teacher friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. We'll catch you next episode. See you, everybody. Bye. Um, and so I have a thing about like 80 cyborg cowboys in car. <laughs> that's, that's a very specific niche. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs>